What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Bama Beat Podcast, where home field hoodies keep us warm and Wickles Pickles keep us fed as the South freezes over. I'm Brett Hudson, and I'm joined, as always, on the baseball editions of this podcast by Hunter Johnson. Hunter, are you just are you an are you an igloo? Are you an icicle at this point? Or I'm I'm pretty cold. I'm about to. I'm I hope actually as soon as we finish up the podcast, I'm gonna go. I need uh, a starter log to build a fire, but hopefully. The roads won't be frozen over by the time we get done. But, yeah, I got to build a fire. I'm about to freeze in here. Yeah. Uh, At least I have uh, power, though. My parents just text me. They don't have power. So. Yeah, I've heard uh, – we're recording this uh, Monday afternoon. I've heard that some of Tuscaloosa County has already lost power due to this uh, this absolute madness. So, so what a time to be alive. 2021. Yeah, about to be baseball weather, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it wouldn't be – this is college baseball, though. You have beautiful weather. And in some point in the first two weeks of February, and then leading up to the game, the weather turns to absolute garbage. That's just that's just how things go. And at least, if, if nothing else, it gives you an opportunity to get creative with the wide variety of Wickles Pickles products. Sorry, I didn't have my read pulled up. Give me one second. <laughs> Expert podcasting. Yes, this is yes. what people expect. Wickles, wickedly delicious. Pickles, relish, just okra, and much more. Wickles are proud to be Alabama-owned and made using a family recipe 90 years in the making. From Saturday sandwiches to Christmas dinner, the recipe used to be reserved for family and friends who were lucky to get a jar. But since 1998, they've been bringing the sweet heat and bold and tangy recipes into your home. Learn more about them at wicklespickles.com and find them in your store in the pickle aisle. Let's get wicked. I actually wore my... Wiggle shirt to uh, or my mask to Piggly Wiggly a couple days ago. Somebody comp- complimented my mask, and I have to say it is a nice mask. A Wickles mask that is that yeah. is fantastic. Um, I need to get one of those. Uh, speaking of Wickles apparel, are you going to continue the the streak of wearing Wickles hats to Alabama baseball games since apparently I, they're repeated? I forgot all about that. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to start that back, and I have two now to choose from. So, yeah, I'll, I'll always wear the Wiggles hat to baseball games. Have you have you acquired tickets to any of opening weekend? I haven't, and kind of like with both football and uh, basketball I've been, I just figure I'll, I'll end up with tickets somehow. That that tends to be how it how it works out for you. It's 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 the blessed life of, yes. of Johnson, if we could all be so lucky. So the, the – uh, the agenda for today's podcast is more of a general season preview. We've done deep dives on the hitting and defensive side of things. We've done a deep dive on the pitching staff. We've had Brad Bohannon join the podcast for about a half-hour interview. And now we're going to look at the schedule as a whole, the opening weekend series against McNeese State. We're going to do a list of preseason predictions. If we if we have the time and if we think about it, frankly, we'll um, we'll we'll revisit them once the season is over to realize how how good or how poorly we did in that regard. But we must start the podcast as we always do with the pop quiz. Hunter, there is a tie for third in single season batting average in school history. Chris Glass is one of them. He hit 405 in 1982. The other 405 season in Alabama history came in 1995. Can you name who did it? Chris Moeller. Chris Miller, the first baseman, he went 87 for 215 that season. He remains undefeated on the pop quizzes in the in the baseball podcast. We'll 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 catch him on one fun of these. We'll li- fun little tidbit. Chris Moeller actually coached me in summer league baseball when I was 16. I think I was I was 15 or 16. Yeah. Nice oh, guy. Really? 
Yeah. Well, see, I feel like you had an unfair advantage on that one. So, you know. I tend to always have an unfair advantage because I know all these things. Uh, that That's true. But even even then, it's, it's preposterous. I'm going to catch you one of these times, though. And I, I'm going to catch you at your own game because you have told me off air, so I'll put it on air, that your specialty is 1995 to 2007. That's where that's your sweet spot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna find something in there that that gets you before the okay. end of the regular season. That you have my word on that, listeners. I'm gonna I'm gonna get him on one of these. I'll, it'll it'll take a little work, a little research, but it's worth it. I promise. So let's let's look at the overall schedule. It got released a few weeks ago, but now Alabama's about to take it on. So it's worth. Uh, another look and the first thing that jumps out to me is a noticeably more difficult non-conference schedule last year it was northeastern unlv harvard and lipscomb northeastern has made one regional since 2004 unlv and harvard have made one each since 2006 and lipscomb has made one since 2009 now had that season played out northeastern and northeastern and lipscomb had as good a chance as any to win their respective leagues and make a regional, but we'll we'll never know. This season, McNeese State made a regional in 2019, won the conference regular season in 2016, and got seven of 26 first-place votes in the Southland Conference preseason poll. Wright State has won the Horizon League in five of the last ten seasons and has eight of the league's top 20 draft prospects, according to D1 Baseball. They're projected to win the Horizon again by both D1 Baseball and Baseball America. The road series is at College of Charleston, had conference winning percentages north of 650 in 2018 and 2019, made four regionals in the last decade. Pitcher Caswell Smith is listed as the top 2022 prospect in the conference, according to D1 Baseball. And Stetson has made three regionals in the last decade and a pretty heavy favorite to win the A-Sun this year. So it's it's a pretty significant increase in non-conference schedule. It's not like that non-conference schedule Mississippi State had last year where they had Oregon State come to Starkville and they still went to Long Beach State. It's not something ridiculous like that, but it is a significant increase in in competition. I forgot I was on mute. I was going to say it's also it's also not like Greg the schedule that Greg Goff had put together. No. Not, not at all. Uh, and, and I think it's indicative of, I think it's indicative of where Coach Bo thinks this team is. And, and he said this with uh, with Roger Hoover on their series of coach interviews through the Crimson Tide Sports Network social media platforms. He said in in previous years he felt like the team needed to win some games in in February and in early March to kind of build up some confidence for what they can expect to be a pretty long, brutal grind through an SEC season. But this this year's group, was that was not the case. He thought this group was confident and prepared to take on something a little more challenging. So, so they did. And again, uh, ca- casual or not at all college baseball fans will look at this schedule and not really see much because it doesn't include Texas and, uh, of course, Alabama's greatest baseball rival, North Carolina. Uh, right. And you or, or others, Texas Tech, but there's some really, really good baseball programs on this list. We, we just ran through the the accolades, and the, obviously last year when, when Bama finished the season 16-1 and one before going into to conference play, you, well, what would have been conference play, I don't know that this team 
I don't know that it would you say it's fair to expect them to go 16 and one against this non-conference schedule? I don't think so. Um, it's just it's just a much better schedule. And I think, you know, even if you lose a couple of these, a few of these, you know, games before conference play starts, these team, your opponents are good enough that you can afford to do so. You can to yeah. af- afford to drop two or three of them. Or hell, exactly. even more than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess the point to make here is Bama kind of caught people's attention a little bit by going 16-1 and one last year. If, if Bama reaches that same point in the season this year with a 12-5 and five record or a 13-4, and four, it's still a pretty good ball club. They just did it against a more difficult competition. And, and I don't think that that kind of uh, a dip in the record would be damaging from an RPI perspective. You also but the have, key, uh, you, you want to go ahead and in that non-conference, so you want to get to eight, nine games above 500 so that you're not having to worry about what you do in SEC play. Because, I mean, it's very possible that you know, losing teams with a losing record in SEC play are going to end up you know, making the NCAA tournament. You, but you've got to be above 500 in order to make the yeah. tournament. Yeah. I mean, if you can get through it in that 13-4 and four range – I mean, obviously better would better than that would be even better. But if you can make it through 13 and four, you're you're on pace for sure. Right. Right. You also have some some midweek competition in there before the end of March. Bama's going to have two midweeks against Troy, one at UAB, one against South Alabama and one against Southern Miss. There's another midweek against UAB and two more against Samford later in the SEC schedule. So I, I remember seeing that last year and thinking, you know, they're they're not quite up to what they are in this schedule where they're taking on bigger competition in their weekend series. They're not quite up to that. But they are taking on a little bit more in, in terms of, of midweeks, and you're, you're seeing that again this year. The only problem is Bama's last game of the 2020 season was that one at UAB at uh, at Regions in, in Birmingham. So uh, driving up to, to that one, I'm going to be kind of fearing the other shoe to drop. <laughs> yeah, I, remember, I didn't. I actually did not make it to that game. I went to that game two years ago. I forget. I think Alabama might have had a basketball game that night. I don't remember why I didn't get it. It was a not... Tuesday, so that would make sense. Yeah, I did not make no, it. No, it was the one. SEC tournament. They were You were probably up in Nashville. I hadn't gone up there X route what it was. I didn't want to go to Birmingham, come back home and work on Wednesday, then go back to Birmingham. Like I had to drive through Birmingham again. Yeah, that was the reason. That's what it was. Yeah, makes sense. Looking at the SEC schedule, it's it's interesting how it kind of goes really, really difficult, manageable, then really, really difficult. You start your SEC schedule at Arkansas and home against Ole Miss. Uh, yikes. Yeah. It, at Vandy, at LSU, and home against Mississippi State, even worse. You wouldn't wish, wish well, I, I guess you would wish that upon Auburn, but uh, most people would not wish that upon anyone else. The middle, Tennessee, at Texas A&M, Auburn, at Kentucky, home against Missouri. That is... That's for, where you're going to have to get your wins. <laughs> exactly. For, for a roster that is improving and is expecting to be competitive in the SEC, that is a stretch that should absolutely be manageable for a team that is as good as Bama thinks it can be, that is top 25 in the nation. That kind of a stretch for, for a caliber of roster that Bama wants to be, that is a manageable stretch. And I, I think that one will will go a long way in terms of the, the final record. 
but you're already looking at you know, opening up at Arkansas. I mean, if you can get one game, if you can get one game up there, you're right. you're you're pretty happy. And then Ole Miss coming to town. I mean, you would love to be able. To, I mean, getting two is going to be a, a big stretch there. So I mean, you could you know be two and four, one you know in the S- in SEC play and still be pretty damn good. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's one of those where that stretch is. Where you build the insurance, like you said, that's where that's where you get your wins. Because when you go to Arkansas, you host Ole Miss, you go to Vandy, to LSU, and home against State. In those five series, how many wins would you need to be happy with it? Would you be happy with five? Would you be happy with four? Which series again? At Arkansas, home against Ole Miss, at Vandy, at LSU, home against State. Would you be happy with Six. four wins? Six. I mean, now five or six. Yeah, I'll be happy with okay. six. Okay. So taking that into as your your context, then you would need nine to ten wins in the Tennessee A and M Auburn at Kentucky and and Missouri series, which uh, I, I think it I think Bama would be a pretty uh, substantial favorite both at Kentucky and home against Missouri. So you would think you could win two out of three and possibly sweep those three, which would which would help you get there for sure. And we um, owe Auburn a sweep. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we owe them one. Uh, well, it's it's in the friendly confines this year, so it's uh, it's it's on the table, I, I guess. But again, that's where that's where the wins are. That's where the the final record is is really going to be determined because uh, unless you are one of those teams, unless you're like a Mississippi State and you're looking eye to eye with Arkansas, you go into those series saying if we can take one. Awesome. I mean, if we if we threaten and luck into two, man, that's even better. But the the help, the goal I think would be to go into those five series at Arkansas, home against Ole Miss, at Vandy, at LSU, and home against State. Hope to take one of three, and then win the others, and, and that would get you at least win the others and possibly sweep one if you're if you catch them when you're when you're hot. And that would get you to 15 wins, right? Yep, and that's uh, skipping ahead a little bit. But, you know, I, I, we're going to do our what, our prediction for SEC wins. Right. That's what I'm predicting for this team is 15. Uh, and, I think that's, um, and that's very I, – I think that's reasonable. Um, and it would be a, you know, a damn good SEC season. Huge improvement. That's for yeah. sure. Huge improvement. Yeah, we didn't win any SEC games last year. Uh, well, that's, that's true. Let's see. <laughs> didn't lose any, though. Uh, that that's true, but let's let's put Brad Bohannon on the on the hot seat here. Brad Bohannon has not won an SEC baseball game since May eleventh, two thousand nineteen. What are we doing here? Yeah, get on it. Who was that against? Who did we close with? Was that? Uh, no, they got we, swept by Georgia at the end of nineteen. It was the Saturday. Yeah. It was the Saturday game with A and M. Yep. Won that game two to one. Um, so, so that was the last SEC win for, for Bama baseball, but Hey, even worse, Arkansas hasn't won an SEC baseball game in, in over a year. Like what fire Dave Van Horn, <laughs> fire, uh, fire, fire Dave Van Horn, fire Paul Maneri. Uh, uh, they want to fire Bianco anyway. Uh, fire, they always Lomas, to, yes. fire Kevin Su- Sullivan, fire them all, fire, yeah. them all. fire, fire coach Sullivan, fire them all. Um, 
but the we'll we'll get to the the overall SEC record and and some of that other stuff later in the in the show as you alluded to Hunter. But the season starts this weekend with a three game series against McNeese State, as we mentioned earlier, one of the better clubs in the Southland Conference. The series is currently scheduled for three p.m. Friday, two p.m. Saturday, one p.m. Sunday. All of those games on SEC Network Plus. And and what stands out to me about McNeese is a very experienced lineup. Jake Dickerson hit 415 and slugged 662 for an OPS of 1149 last year. He's a senior. Another senior, Nate Fisbeck, nine of his 20 hits last season went for extra bases. A third senior, Brett Welton, handsome first name on that young man, hit 326. And yet another senior, Clayton Raspberry, strikes out a ton, 18 strikeouts and 61 at-bats. But he also hit four homers tied for the team lead. They, they have some promising younger players around them, namely Peyton Harden in the outfield, Reed Bork at shortstop. But frankly, it tells you how good San Houston State must be if they're projected to win the Southland over these guys. I, I'm going to say I've, I've known very little about McNeese State other than they are traditional. You know, they All those schools in Louisiana, it seems like, are always pretty good. But it'd be them, uh, Northwestern State, um, so, I mean, they went 10-7 and seven last year. Louisiana Tech, ULM, yeah. ULL. Right, right, right. So, um, I mean, like you said, they're you know, projected to finish second in the league. They're going to be a solid opponent. And the Southland's a good conference. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you make a good point about these Louisiana clubs being so talented because there's just so much talent in the state of Louisiana. It's, it's, it's kind of like, oh, uh, what's a good – comparable example it's kind of like being either southern miss or memphis where there is just in football where there's just so much good a group of five or low level power five talent in your general area in the state of mississippi that it's kind of hard to not be good mm-hmm. at, at those two programs because again you just you draw a, a circle 200 250 miles around your campus and you're just enveloped in, again, either high-level G5 or low-level P5 talent that, that might come to your school just for the, the proximity of things and the general culture of, of those two uh, uh, geographic regions. So uh, it's it's hard to not be halfway good at, at baseball in, in that area, even on the junior college level, like LSU Eunice is, is an example of, of that. So. A little tidbit on McNeese, um, former Alabama assistant coach, and he went on to be assistant in Arkansas and was the head coach at Wichita State. Um, Todd Butler uh, went to McNeese State and is now their senior associate athletic director. No way. Yep. How about that? Um, Spent last I, year at Missouri as a recruiting coordinator and just took that job this past summer as senior associate AD. Oh, well, well, well good for him. So, so Bama ties – all the way through, I, I actually I should probably recuse myself from this McNeese State series because I have uh, personal like familial ties to McNeese State University. My wife, her family is it tracks back to the original McNeeses that founded McNeese State University. Wow, that's quite a little flex right there. I mean, look, I, I wish I wish I was getting some of the. Some of the kickbacks from from Got that tuition, McNeese but, money. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I need some of that tuition kickbacks, but but I'm not like the 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 man who walked Morgan down the aisle at, at our wedding. His name is Robert McNeese. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah I, had, uh, I, I didn't know um, until pretty close to uh, the wedding there. But yeah, that's uh, so I should probably recuse myself in terms of a conflict of interest in this uh, in, in this uh, series. But what I really need is McNeese State home field apparel. Uh, oh, that's a good segue apparel. there. Thank you. Thank you. Professional, professional podcaster. It's, it's what I do. Uh, unfortunately, McNeese State is not one of the over 100 schools offered on homefieldapparel.com. It is collegiate apparel, unique collegiate apparel, licensed on the most comfortable hoodies, T-shirts, and sweatshirts that you will own. You can find it all at homefieldapparel.com. Free shipping on orders of $70 or more. There's Alabama stuff there. There are What's the updated total? I think it's – is it 13 or 14 pieces of Alabama gear, including the newly added basketball shirt? It's it's 13 or 14, not including the three uh, pieces of national championship gear from the most recent football national championship. So that's at Home Field Apparel, including a wide variety of schools. Some of the schools you've heard of, like Rutgers and Louisville, Purdue, Pitt, Navy, Mississippi State, Syracuse. And some schools you've possibly never heard of, like Colorado School of Mines, Chicago State, DePaul, not DePaul, DePaul with a W, um, Drake, although you may have heard of them now since they were undefeated in basketball for a while, Hope College, Grand Valley State, wide variety of selections for you there at homefieldapparel.com. And if you use the promo code BAMABEAT, you can get 20% off your first purchase again at homefieldapparel.com. Hey Connor, get some McNeese State stuff. Go to go to get go to McNeese, get the licensing and 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 help me out. But also get me a kickback on the licensing fees because you know <laughs> the, they're using the name. So it's only it's only fair. So now I think we're getting to the the main events of of this deal, right? I, I think people uh, people like to rib me for my my prediction last year, which I don't remember being like unnecessarily pessimistic about last year's team i don't remember i I remember i was more optimistic than you were right but i don't think i was unnecessarily pessimistic but i've been ribbed for it which you know i i can take it so we have a list of preseason predictions where we're going to go through some of them only apply to opening weekend some of them are season long and we'll get to those in short order but I think the most important one is opening day lineup and starting rotation. I will cede the floor to you, Hunter. On the rotation, I think our the three guys will be Prelip, obviously, um, Ross, and Antoine Jean. That's my prediction for rotation. I agree. Um, like we've here as well. And, and a quick word on that before you go to the lineup. I think Prelip is is a is a lock. I think Antoine it, it just fits well as a Sunday starter right now, kind of a, a grindy right-hander, not someone who it currently anyway, just like overwhelms you with, with raw stuff. Although uh, apparently he's been balling out in preseason practice. So, so maybe he'll, he'll do that pretty soon. Just someone who knows how to pitch, like, like commands the strike zone, attacks hitters, kind of understands what, He's trying to do, and and that's someone that you need on Sunday when your bullpen might be taxed a little bit, and, and you can throw someone out there that you know isn't he isn't going to just not have his curveball and go out there and give you an inning in two thirds. In theory, right, right. 
So I think he fits well for that Sunday role. Then you're looking for for a Saturday guy, and, and you and I both go with with Tyler Ross. Right, and I'm I don't know if Coach Bohannon subscribes to this, but one if you're going to have two lefties, I would prefer to throw them on Friday and Sunday, and not throw the two lefties in a row. If that makes sense, like put the righty in the middle. Man, when I played, I used to hate like we used to play a doubleheader. I throw game two of a doubleheader, and I'm a, I was a lefty through about '84, and our you know in game one we throw another lefty who threw about '84. So like by the time they see me, I'm throwing the same damn thing that the guy before me had thrown. True. Yeah, you know, yeah that's uh, just like no, that, that's something I, something that I'm particular about. Yeah, no, you make a good point, and and I'm glad you said it. I think I accidentally called Antoine a righty. He he is a lefty. That that kind of makes the points like that that kind of grindy lefty that, that gives you something different and can can help you in that regard so um i, I am aware that antoine jean is left-handed that's, that's <laughs> the point i'm trying to make i'm i am aware of that don't at me although they're, they're going to it's fine starting lineup on opening day okay i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do the batting just in batting order um Peyton wilson at second base diodati dh T.J. Reed, no, Prater at catcher. T.J. Reed's in left, hitting fourth. Zane Denton hitting fifth at third base. Drew Williamson hitting sixth at first. Jackson Tate hitting seventh in center. Jim Jarvis shortstop hitting eighth. And this last spot, I'm just not really, I'm not sure who to go with. It sounds like it's either going to be Hammeter or Patota. I'm going to go with Patota, opening day, starting in right. Okay, well, so that that right field spot is actually the only one we have different from a personnel standpoint, and I have a, a few differences in uh, batting order. But again, mine's mine's pretty similar. I have Peyton Wilson leading off as the second baseman. I have T.J. Reeves in, in left field in the two hole. Sam Prater catcher in the three hole. Owen Diodati as your cleanup man as the designated hitter. Number five, first baseman Drew Williamson. Number six. Third baseman, Zane Denton, number seven. Center fielder, Jackson Tate, number eight. Uh, right fielder, William Hammeter. And number nine, Jim Jarvis as your shortstop. And I have him there because he's kind of a turn Second lead off guy. Type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Turn your lineup over. Get some some speed on the base pass for someone like like Peyton Wilson, who has the contact skills to, to be a good leadoff hitter. And, and that's why you have him there. But he's got a little pop, too. He's not going to just single you to death he's going to have some some doubles triples and homers over the course of a season so if you can have a jim jarvis on first base and possibly steal second uh that that gives you something pretty potent when you when you turn the lineup over and it increases your your likelihood of of turning the the lineup over now that i say that william hammer is going to come out and hit like 360 and make me look like a <laughs> but um that wouldn't be the the first time that's happened either who is going to lead this team in batting average? If this is I'm, a tough one. This is one of the tougher questions we have, I think. I'm going to go with Drew. Drew Williams. Really? Elaborate. I don't know. I just, I mean, he was hitting 340 last year, um, and I've heard really good things out, out of him this fall. Um, yes, yeah, so I, I just decided to go with him. I mean, obviously, you, could, you know, Sam is a possibility. Uh, Diodotti obviously hit 309 last year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going with Drew Williamson. 
good call there. I'm I'm going with TJ Reeves. It, it it's it's entirely a potential play. It's it's t- entirely talent, tools, experience is, is playing a, a factor in it. Um, like I, I would love to go with Owen Diodati just because I I like him as a person, but but also mm-hmm. I think the ridiculously talented hitter, but. As, as we kind of mentioned several times in the preview series leading up to this point, he's going to face SEC pitchers for the first time in, in his career. So I think that experience will will benefit someone who leads this team in, in batting average. Drew Williamson also uh, fits that mold, but I went with TJ Reeves. Who leads the team in home runs? Sam. I mean, he had six last year in, you know, Brief, not you know, 60 at bats. So, I mean, if he continue at that level, uh, he, he's going to hit a lot. Obviously, I don't think he'll hit that many, but um, proportionally, I mean, yeah, I, I think Sam's an easy pick here. Yeah, me too. And, and again, for, for the same thing on, on batting average, I wanted to go with Owen Diodotti, but I, I, you just project a, a certain level of slump against SEC pitchers that, that Sam Prater is, is far less likely to – to take on again, much like William Hamner is going to hit 360. Dio is probably going to go hit like 19 homers. Um, so, so I'm I'm willing to be compensated to to speak these things into existence via the the reverse jinx. If you're if you're willing to to slide into my Venmo account, who leads the team in steals? Uh, I think this is a pretty kind of easy one too. It's Peyton Wilson. Yep, um, he's going to get on base a ton, and when he's on, we're going to run him. I, I agree. I, I think there's there's a lot of reasons that 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 works out. Here's here's a fun one. Combined saves for the Viper and the Wizard, aka Chase Lee and Brock Guffey. How many saves do the two combine for? I said fourteen. Are, are you giving almost all of those to the Viper? Pretty much, yeah. I think you might see Guffey, you know, with like two. But, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, I think it's mainly where Chase Lee gets like a two out save. Uh, uh, sorry, a two inning save on Friday, and, and you would rather not throw him on Saturday. You give that to Guffy type deal. Right. Right. Yep. That's that's kind of what I was thinking. This is one I admittedly did not have a prepared number for, so I'm doing it on the fly, and I will say, I will say, I'll price is right you and say fifteen. I, I okay. think this is. I think this is a team that's going to be in a lot of close games, especially with a more difficult non-conference season. Um, and, and both of those guys are just awesome. So you would think if you're if you're handing the ball over to them somewhat frequently in in close game situations and save situations, they're gonna they're gonna rack them up a pretty good bit. Connor Prelip's ERA against SEC teams. You go first on this one. I went with two five five. Um, I was going to say two three two three five. Okay, two three five. What? So what I mostly did was I went back to the 2019 season and looked at Mississippi State's Ethan Smalls um, ERA against SEC teams that year because he was just preposterously dominant that year, and he had like a one seven seven or something mm-hmm. against SEC competition that year, and I was like, okay, so that is that is like the peak. That is mm-hmm. the top five. Let's let's kind of adjust some inexperience and et cetera into the ERA, but still project him to be pretty good because I, I think he is, and, and that's how I landed it at two fifty five. Did you did you do anything similar to arrive at two thirty five, or did you just pick something? I just pretty much picked something. Fair, 
I, I can't I can't blame you. MVP of the pitching staff outside of Connor Prelip, Chase Lee, and Brock Guffey, outside of your obvious Friday night ace and your two best back of the bullpen arms. Do you want me to go first on this one? Too? I'll go first, and I wonder if we're going to have the same one. Um, and I'm going with Antoine Jean. Uh, I think he's going to be our, I think he's going to be our second best pitcher this year. I think he's going to eat up innings. I think you're, you're going to see a real. And he, in fact, I know we're coming up to breakout player. He's probably he's my breakout player of the year. Um, I'm just expecting really good things out of Antoine. I've heard good things about how he was in the fall, how he's been um, this spring. So I'm going with Antoine Jean. I see you're right. You you know me too well. I went with Antoine Jean too. I I love that guy. I I love his approach. I love the way he he goes about it. Got a good head on his shoulders. Uh, The body is there. He's talented. I I think it's it's only a matter of time for for him. So as you mentioned – you're going with him as your breakout player of the year as well? I am, yeah. I, I can't blame you there. So I, I went with something different just to like kind of diversify it a little bit. But what I loved about this question is you could go a lot of ways with it. You could, in theory, pick a Sam Prater or an Owen Diodotti to break out because they go from good players to possible All-American candidates. You could also go with someone like Peyton Wilson, Jim Jarvis, TJ Reeves, or as you did, Antoine Jean, to go from relatively anonymous to a possible all-SEC guy. And in in that vein, I went with Jim Jarvis. I, I think he he's a tough out is what it comes down to. I think he's he's a tough out and – Especially for him, with if you look at his just numbers from from last year, you wouldn't put a bunch of of expectation on him coming into to 2021. He was kind of playing a lot and learning things on the on the fly. He hit 267 last year, which isn't bad, but it's not a breakout by by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think he's he's going to harness some of those things this year, and I think he's going to play pretty good shortstop too. I think that that plays a a big role in it. As well, him being your your everyday shortstop, or at least currently projected to be your everyday shortstop, kind of puts him in in a role of prominence both uh, on the defensive side of things, and then he's going to be tasked with turning that lineup card over and and giving Peyton Wilson uh, and, and as we have it, either T.J. Reeves or Owen Diodotti a lot of uh, RBI opportunities. Whoever is in that that two hole, so. Um, I went with Jim Jarvis, but for, for the same reasons that I, I picked him as the MVP of the pitching staff outside of those those top three, I love the pick of, of Antoine Jean. Now, final prediction is overall record, SEC record, and postseason fate. Now, other than your heart's prediction of 52-0, 30-0, national champs, what's your – I thought we played – I thought we played uh, 56 games. Did I not say 56? You said 52. Oh, dude, I, I swear I didn't drink before this. Uh, this you said 52 and 0. Oh, I did? Games. Oh, well. But I'll take, I'll, bet, I'll take 52 and 4. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you will. No, 56. It's a 56-game college season. Man, apparently, I must think Antoine Jean is right-handed in the college baseball season. It's <laughs> only 52 games. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's almost as if my children are home and, and are, are crazy. Okay, so other than 56-0 and 30-0 and 0 national champions, what's your prediction? I'm going 36-20. Um, and 20. 
with okay. a so twenty one and five non conference, fifteen and fifteen in the SEC. And oh, for postseason, yeah, um, uh, SEC tournament, regional, super regional. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if that could get us to a you know. That's probably two seed territory, but depending on how good the league is, and that could get us to you know a possible host. Um, but I'm going to predict one of the top two seeds, um, and we make it to a super regional and go to a super. Okay, so 30, I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure we'll get sent. To, I'm sure we'll get sent to Tallahassee. Uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, guarantee. Especially since Florida State is supposed to be in that that conversation this year. So you said 36 and 20, 15 and 15 in the SEC. Two seed in a regional, probably the Tallahassee regional, win it and go to a super. That's that's mm-hmm. what you're on record for. That's what I'm on record with. We are we are are very similar in, in that regard. I will I will once again prices right you on the other side of it and go 35 and 21 compared to your 36 and 20. But I also think they will go 15 and 15 in SEC play. I also think they will be a two seed in in a regional and. Uh, I'll say I'll save the super regional for next year. I'll I'll say they, they That's fair. super regional next year, but I think they'll be one of the final two teams in a regional and they'll they'll lose to a host and, and the host will will go on to the super. Uh, but I'll I'll say Alabama goes 35 and 21, 15 and 15 in the SEC, a high two seed in a regional, like maybe the two seed in the somewhere in the 13 to 16 range. Um, right. And then uh, lose in that regional to to the host who goes on to the to the super. But with with a pitching staff as deep as Alabama's is, they are definitely the type of team that would do well in a postseason environment where you're having to what what you basically have to do to win a national championship is win two four game two fourteen tournaments and then two best of three series all condensed in three and a half weeks or so. That's more or less what you have to do to win a national title. And uh, with the depth of, of Alabama staff, that, that puts them in a good position. So if they get to a super, they're in a good spot to, to make it further than that, to, to right. not actually say the location, to, to put that kind of juju on them. But, um, well, the thing is, if you can get to a super, you got to feel good about your Friday night guy beating the other team's Friday night guy. Absolutely. Like, so, I mean – you're already in, good, in a good situation there. And then the next two games, you know, if you can get, go up 1-0, much like Alabama did in 2010 with Jimmy Nelson, um, you can kind of get into a Johnny Holstaff pitching mentality at that point. Yeah, at that, at that point, you're, you're just you, – you, at that point, you just screw all the pitching roles and you say, I need 27 outs. How can I get them? Right. You, you have is- the entire team at your disposal at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we don't have to old takes expose ourselves when uh when the season is over and, and I'll Alabama be happy to gets- old takes expose myself if we end up you know making it to that place that shall not be named and I didn't predict it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, we'll we'll make fun of ourselves over a stake. How about that? Uh, yes. Sounds sounds great. Well, we appreciate y'all listening to the Bama Beat podcast brought to you by Wickles Pickles and Homefield Apparel. Next time we podcast. Alabama baseball will have seen the field in theory. We hope it works out that way. We'll talk to y'all soon. Thanks for listening to the Bama Beat Podcast. And Hunter, I'll let you sign off with with your normal tagline. What is my 
See, you said that I'd do a normal tagline. What do I normally do? And please buy Wickles. Oh, yeah. Please buy Wickles. And oh, I what used to sign doing, off with. Connor? I know. I used to sign, I, we haven't been podcasting enough lately, man. But please, <laughs> most, most importantly, for, for us, buy Wickles. Please buy Wickles. <laughs>